0: All right, so we are continuing our series through the whole summer that we're calling Lessons Learned. And basically, this is just talking about things I've learned along the way. I've been a Christian for over three decades now, and at the beginning, I had no clue. And I like to think I've picked up a couple things along the way, still have a lot to learn, but just been talking about some of that. Last week, we talked about the fact that we have an enemy that Satan is real and that we need to fight the spiritual battle because if we don't, we're just sitting ducks and we need to be ready to defend ourselves in the spirit and not blame God, but understand where the darkness is coming from. Then this week, we're going to talk about living by the spirit. One of the very important things about being a Christian is walking in step with the Holy Spirit of God. I've had a journey along those lines and we'll talk a little bit about that. But today, As we talk about living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, being filled in the spirit, let's pray and seek the Lord for something good. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to just talk about stuff and try to figure it out, but you guide us by your Holy Spirit and you guide us by your holy word. Father, guide us through your word today as we look into different scriptures and seek you for truth. But Lord, let us go beyond thinking thoughts. Let us truly connect with you in the spirit. Let us grab hold of something good. Lord, I know that each one of us is going through different things. We need something different from you. And Lord, I know by your Holy spirit, you can meet each one of us right now and give us just what we need. So father, I pray you would do that. Have mercy on us. Give us something good in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I wasn't really sure at the beginning. I mean, I was introduced to God through the miraculous, the miraculous answer to prayer. I actually had an open vision. You know, if, if you haven't heard that story, we've got uh, testimonies in on our website. But I saw the power of God right off the bat. So I knew that there was something powerful going on in the spirit with our relationship with God. But then, you know, you start living as a Christian for a while and it, it can become more of an intellectual pursuit than a spiritual pursuit. It can become a theological pursuit instead of a spiritual pursuit. It can become a behavioral or moral pursuit instead of a spiritual pursuit. We can even be brought into a a religious pursuit. If you know what I'm saying, you know, the form of godliness, but denying its power, going through the motions, showing up for church, checking it off the box. It can become religious rather than spiritual. And so Christianity is primarily a spiritual pursuit. We're here to know God deeply and to walk the narrow road. That's a spiritual pursuit to know God, to know God in a deep, powerful way, not to know about God, but to know God and to walk the narrow road. That's what we're called to. This is A spiritual pursuit. Let's go to Matthew 7, where Jesus talks about the narrow road. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This narrow road is a spiritual road. Again, it's not about learning about God. It's about getting to know God, a personal relationship with God. We can only do that by making a spiritual connection with God. The narrow road is a spiritual road. We as believers, as Christians are people of the spirit. We're people of prayer. We are people of worship. We are people of, Of the Word. We study the Word not just as a book written by people, but as the living Word of God. And we invite the Holy Spirit in as we read to move in our hearts, to make it sharper than a double edged sword, and to change us and be a a way that God can speak to us through His Word. We are people of the Word, we are people who listen to God's voice and obey. It means we're people of the spirit. This is a spiritual pursuit. Christianity is about walking in the spirit. It's a spiritual pursuit. And to substitute in something else, like for example, repeating other people's ideas, you know, reading a book and saying what the book said. I mean, that's good. I read books. I tell other people what I read, <laughs> but it does not replace a spiritual connection with God. You know, learning how to behave in such a way that other people say you're you're doing good, you know, way to not do that dumb thing. That's good, but it's not just behavioral. We have to have that real spiritual connection with God. If we substitute in the intellectual, we substitute in the behavioral and we miss the spiritual, then we, we're just stuck with shallow religion. We must have a deep relationship with God. But how do we get to the place where we truly know God? Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. You've been believing in God your whole life. And you just feel like God's way over there. And I'm way over here. And I'm trying to say what I'm supposed to say and learn the stuff I'm supposed to learn and do what I'm supposed to do. But it just seems so distant. Well, that's what we talk about today. Starts with spending time with God in the spirit, seeking God in prayer, connecting with God in worship reading the word, how we talked about before, inviting the spirit in, but we need to actively pursue God, get quiet with God and try to hear from God. Maybe go to the, you know, maybe if church services is rocking, you know, get loud and go to God and try to grab hold of the things of God, seeking God, but we've got to spend time with God. That's how it begins. So today we talk about living by the spirit, being filled with the spirit, being baptized in the Holy spirit. We're pursuing the spirit. Very important. So today, basically going to break this into four parts. First part, we're going to talk about the biblical foundation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of New Testament believers. Then we're going to look at how we can get this wrong. Then we're going to look at my personal experiences of getting this wrong. (laughs) And then we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and seek a real connection with God. That's where we're at. Let's start with the biblical foundation. First thing, Don't be shy about pursuing the Holy Spirit. This is all over the Bible. This is not something that, you know, a certain little subset of Christianity emphasizes and nobody else talks about. It's all over the Bible. Christians, New Testament believers in God being filled with the spirit, walking by the spirit in step with the spirit being led by the spirit. This is all over the scriptures. So, Let's begin with looking at what John the Baptist said about Jesus, the prediction of John the Baptist, the prophecy, if you will, of John the Baptist about Jesus and what he was going to do. So what did Jesus come here to do? Well, primarily he came to die on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, to to satisfy the justice of God, which needs for the wages of sin is death. That destruction is the justice of God, but then the love of God, which brings redemption. God wants us to be set free from the consequences of our failures and sins so that we can be brought into his family, be restored to God, have new life today and everlasting life forever with God. So Jesus came to die on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, to redeem people and bring them into a relationship with God. That's not just for today, but forevermore, but An important part of this is the Holy Spirit of God being poured out on all people. Very important. And this is what John talks about that Jesus will do. So John came to prepare the way. He's the one who's preparing a way for the Lord. And when he is preparing a way for the Lord through calling people to repentance and water baptism, he talks about the one who will come after him, which is Jesus, our Messiah, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega. What did John say Jesus was going to do? So we start in Matthew chapter three, we'll read 11 and 12. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All right. So John, you know, you've if there are fire and brimstone in the Bible. Well, hey, John, that seemed a little strong. So absolutely. You know, John is talking about judgment from God. You know, we want to go to heaven, not, not go to hell. We don't want to have damnation, but we want to have salvation as our future, as our hope, as our life today. We want to be living in the joy of the salvation of God. But John here says that he baptizes with water, but the one who's coming after him is going to baptize with the Holy spirit and fire. That is amazing. What would it be like to be baptized in the Holy spirit? So John baptized in water, and that word baptism, baptize, it's just a Greek word that means to immerse or to wash. And so, John baptized in water. People came to him in repentance, and the baptism was a symbol of the washing of God, the forgiveness of sins uh, from repentance, and then, you know, live a new life. And now, There is the promise that Jesus is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit or immerse or wash in the Holy Spirit. And that's an amazing promise that John makes. But this isn't just mentioned in Matthew. Let's go to Mark uh, 1, 7 and 8, talking about John the Baptist again. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing that this is mentioned over and over. We go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, 15 through 17. It says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. That's John the Baptist. So he has to straighten it out. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So we see the same message is repeated again in the gospel of Luke. And then we go to the gospel of John chapter 1. 32 through uh, 34, and we see John the Baptist giving another testimony. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So Jesus, the chosen one of God, the anointed one, the Messiah, he is the one who comes to baptize in the Holy Spirit to fill us with the Holy Spirit. This is how it's prophesied in the scriptures, recorded over and over. And then we go to the book of Acts chapter one, and we pick it up here, not with John the Baptist, but a few years have passed. And Jesus has done his earthly ministry. He's done miracles and he's taught people and he has made the sacrifice on the cross, was laid in the tomb. He rose from the grave and now he's appearing to his disciples before the ascension. So Jesus Jesus is going to ascend, after his ascension, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's what it describes here. Verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is an important biblical concept like The baptism in water, baptism of repentance prepares the way for the Lord. It prepared the nation of Israel for Jesus. And repentance, of course, prepares us for a relationship with God. It prepares the way for the Lord to come into our hearts. We invite Jesus into our hearts to guide us, to fill us with his spirit. When we repent and we realize there's a better way, the ways of God. So this is a central theme in the scriptures. Then you get the day of Pentecost and the fulfillment of the prophecies of Joel and the Holy spirit poured out on men and women, you know, sons and daughters. It's just powerful stuff. Then we have the birth of the new Testament church and the promise of the Holy spirit continues on. We are people of the spirit. This is the way that the scriptures describe it, that Jesus came And he is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And when the baptism in the Holy Spirit happened in Acts, we see that at the day of Pentecost, the power of God comes on his people and the spirit of God is with them. And, you know, there's so many different ways I could go with this, but I'm going to go to first Corinthians chapter three and chapter six, in order to discuss this a little bit deeper because This is something that continues on to this day. We are still in those last days in the prophecies of Joel, where the spirit of God is poured out on all people. Very important. And when we look at first Corinthians, uh, we see a church that is messing up a lot of things. And the apostle Paul is trying to straighten them out. You know, Paul said they were just people. They're just mere human beings. You know, you're not even the holy God ordained people you should be. And he's chewing them out for that. And he's chewing them out for that because, you know, their daily life is immoral and because there's division in the camp, they're fighting with each other. These are big, significant problems. And how does Paul deal with them in these verses? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul says this, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So here Paul is talking about division in the church and he's saying, look, you as a group are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God dwells in your midst. You come together and the spirit of God is there. This is not a spirit of division, but if people come in and they sow division and that divides the holy thing of God, you know, destroys the temple, then God will destroy that person. So he's coming against them for their divisive spirits. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. I follow Christ. He comes against them for that and says, Hey, if you're going to sow division into the temple of God, God, then you are going to be destroyed. So it's pretty, pretty harsh stuff. But he's saying, look, the spirit of God is here. You're a temple of the spirit. The spirit is here among you. Don't reject that and go a different way because you are to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this just isn't true for the group. It's also true for the individual. So we go to chapter 6, and we see Paul making the same point with regards to the individuals living an immoral lifestyle. So we go to chapter six, we'll read 18 through 20. It says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So he's saying you individually, not just the group as a temple of the Holy Spirit, but you individually as a believer in God receive of the Holy Spirit. And we're temples of the Holy Spirit, meaning we're supposed to carry something holy in us everywhere we go. This is true for the group. There should be something holy, the Holy Spirit of God in the midst of God's people, in the midst of God's gatherings, in the midst of church services and potlucks and whatever, you know, like the presence of God there, the Holy Spirit of God there. And also true for the individual, the Spirit of God in the individual. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. But just quoting these verses and not actually going there isn't going to get us there. We don't want to just copy ideas and behaviors. We don't want to settle for shallow religion. We want to actually grab hold of the Holy Spirit of God. We want to carry something deep and holy within us that guides us each moment of each day. So we don't want to be shy about pursuing the Holy Spirit. We want to grab hold of the things of God, the deep things of God, open our hearts to God and receive of the Holy Spirit of God. How can this go wrong? Well, it can go wrong when... The Holy Spirit is given lip service, but isn't real in the hearts of believers. That's where it can go wrong. The biggest problem is when the believer carries a different spirit within them than the Holy Spirit. Instead of the Holy Spirit, they have pride. Instead of the Holy Spirit, they have a spirit of fear. Instead of the Holy Spirit, they have jealousy or different religious spirits or lust or other sinful desires, covetousness, or like me, got Fooled into anger and a judgmental spirit. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Now you may notice I'm using the word spirit here kind of broadly to include things like actual evil spirits, demonic spirits using the word spirit in Holy spirit, but also talking about things like attitudes of the heart, you know, like oftentimes pride isn't an actual demon, <laughs> but it's, it's a dark spirit, a dark spirit, attitude in your heart may not be an actual demonic force, but here's the deal. If we are walking in pride, we're pushing out the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with pride. If we're walking in fear, we're pushing out the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit isn't about fear. If we're walking in any of these ways, even if it's not demonic, but just attitude, we're still pushing away the Holy Spirit of God, and we are failing to be a temple of the Holy Spirit like we were supposed to be individually or as a group. So this is very, very important. You know, this is the way the Greek word is used in Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Man, this is big stuff. Ephesians 4, we're going to read 21 through 24. And this talks about how we come to know God, the whole process. And this word that here is translated attitude is the same word for spirit. We'll look at the fruit of the spirit. It's the same word in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit. This is a word that's in the New Testament 388 times. Here translated attitude in the NIV from 2011. The King James does translate it the spirit of your mind, but here we go. Let's read 21 through 24. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we take off the old, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And we put on the new, which has the right attitude. We're renewed in the attitude of our minds, putting on the new self. This is carrying a different spirit with us. This is being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the fruit of the spirit. So the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, and 23, very famous section of scripture here, but Notice this is singular in one sense, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. This is the fruit of the spirit because all of us who are Christians are to have all of the fruit of the spirit. It isn't that I have this fruit, you know, and you have that like it is with spiritual gifts. I have this gift. You have that. That's perfectly fine. We have different gifts, but we're all to have all of the fruit of the spirit. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, this is what's going to come out is the fruit of the spirit. You're an apple tree. You're going to have apples. If you've got the spirit on the inside, it's going to have love, joy, peace, forbearance, you know, uh, which is patience with people, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that's what's going to naturally flow out of you. So as you look at yourself, how are you doing? Are you carrying the right spirit, the Holy Spirit, which, which shows itself in your daily attitudes through love and joy and peace and the rest of the fruit of the spirit? Is that what's in you or is there something else? The biggest problem is when believers carry a different spirit with them than the Holy Spirit. So instead of love, they have hate. Instead of patience, they are demanding and indignant instantly. When we don't have the fruit of the spirit, but we have different attitudes, we're carrying a different spirit with us, then we got a big problem. I think it goes without saying that you've met a Christian who says the right things, but you can tell there's something wrong on the inside. Instead of being humble, they're full of pride. Instead of having love, they have something else going on there. They're not full of love. They got a wrong spirit on the inside. The single greatest problem with Christianity is believers who have a wrong spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of the Spirit, but other things. And this is hypocrisy. It is, I think, the definition of hypocrisy. And sadly, I am no exception. I have really failed on this one as an early believer. So this is back in the 90s. The enemy really pulled on me, fooled me with some of this stuff. You know, we just read Ephesians 4, uh, 21 through 24. We'll just skip one verse and go on to 26 and 27. It says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I didn't understand this. I let the sun go down on my anger. Let me explain that. So when I was a new believer, I thought, oh, wow, God is real. And there's the people of God that are the ones who carry the truths of God to this world. And and we'll work together to bring the light into the darkness. And people will come to know Jesus and the goodness of God. And this this is important. So I look at the church. I look at the believers, the Christians. And I think, you're not doing a very good job. You're not the carriers of the holiness of God to this world. The light shining in the darkness. You're just as dark. In fact, a lot of the Christians I met, I would even say most of the Christians I met were of lower moral character than the unsaved people in the circles I used to run in. And I thought this is ridiculous. And I think you guys are misrepresenting God. You're doing this extremely poorly. And I started to get angry. I started thinking the people I care about, the people I love are rejecting God because you're acting so foolish and stupid. You know, you've taken the Alpha and the Omega made him a cartoon character. What's wrong with you? And I started getting angry and I, I didn't realize I was giving the devil a foothold. I thought this was righteous indignation. I thought I was justified. I thought I was right. And the reality is in my head, you know, a lot of it was right. I was noticing things that were true. You know, is the church doing a poor job of representing Christ in this world? Well, yeah, Uh, we're still doing that. But in my heart, I was completely wrong. In my heart, I had the wrong attitude and I needed the spirit of God. I needed the fruit of the spirit. And so I was walking around in this anger. I was walking around with a judgmental spirit. I was walking around very critical and finding fault with everything. And then something happened to me. I went to a conference. I'll give you the short version of this story went to a conference and they had a time where they're going to cheer for all the pastors. And I'm like, Oh, come on. These are the people, it's their fault. You know, like they should be teaching people better. That's why they're acting so stupid. And I didn't leave. I stayed and waited it out. And during that time where we were cheering for these pastors, I was resisting at first. And then all of a sudden, something happened in my heart. You know, all this bitterness and anger, the foothold of the enemy that had built over a seven year period of time was deep in my heart. And it felt like a bucket of cold water. So I felt literally like there was a bucket of cold water in my chest. And all of a sudden the bottom came out and I felt it just fall out. And that's that, anger, the foothold the enemy had, because I let the sun go down on my anger and I let it build. And you can do that with political stuff. You can do that with uh, you know, religious opinions. You can let the sun go down on that type of anger and the enemy can get a foothold. And I had done that. And then that just broke. It fell out and a love from God hit me. And I just couldn't believe it. There was a conviction in my heart of, you know, uh, these pastors, they're just, normal people trying to do the best they can and all I'm doing is whining and crying and, and blaming them. And so who am I? And the love of God for the broken church hit me and it was an amazing experience. And I began to speak, you know, saying something like, Wow, this is amazing. And instead some other language came out and it scared me half to death. So I sat down and uh freaked me out. But that was my Baptism in the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, you know, thing that happened with me. And I got to tell you a heart transplant that was over 25 years ago. And as long as I don't intentionally go there and start thinking those negative thoughts and give the devil a foothold again, I can stay here in the love of God, in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, loving people and helping people instead of condemning and shaming and, and being angry. So that's the Holy Spirit of God. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, an immersion, a dunking, a a saturating in the Spirit of God that was life-changing for me. Jesus came and he did what John said he would do, baptized me in the Spirit. And we need to continue in that. We need to stay in the Spirit because it's easy to fall back into those wrong attitudes. It's easy to fall into the darkness. So we have to maintain it. We have to keep going. Hey, I want to give you just a side note here real quick. If you're somebody who's had a real critical spirit against the church, against Christian leaders, maybe you look at me and you're trying to find fault with everything I say, uh, you very well may be called by God to be a pastor, to be a teacher, to be an evangelist, to be somebody who's in ministry because you care about those things. And how did that that care get put in your heart? Could be God, he could be calling you. Now, I want you to seek that out and check that out because a lot of times the things that irritate us the most are the things God's called us to intervene in to be part of. So check that out, little side note we need more pastors. You're super angry with me. Maybe that's you. All right. <laughs> It'll be a little bit, you know, you got to be washed and all that stuff. But I heard something at the church of the Highlands. I got an opportunity to go on a, a trip there a month ago or so. And uh, they said something I thought was great. Sometimes when you're talking about the things of the spirit, people get all prideful and they get jealous or where they get started acting weird. And, and they had this phrase over there. And it was this, it was being filled with the spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And I thought, man, that's powerful. That is exactly right. Because the judgmental, critical spirit, angry me is worse than the regular me, but the spirit-filled me is better than the regular me. So we want to be filled with the spirit, not to be better than other people, but to be better than ourselves. But when we're filled with pride, we're worse than we are without it. When we're filled with any of these wrong spirits. We are worse and we misrepresent God. The narrow road is a spiritual road. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and let's go on that narrow road. I want us to pray in faith like we're approaching God. The scriptures say we can go boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. When we pray, we're not just down here, you know, sending a letter and hoping God someday gets it. He can hear us if we open our hearts in faith. So let's approach God. And I believe he's going to meet you and help you. Our closing scripture is going to be from Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a Psalm of David, King David in the Old Testament. He's made a lot of mistakes, done a lot of bad things. And this is something that he writes in this Psalm. It says, Psalm 51, 10 through 12, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Here, David is feeling separated from God because of his failures. And he asks for God to create in him a pure heart to really bring something new in there. A pure heart, a steadfast and willing spirit walking with God, not being taken away from the presence of God and full of the Holy Spirit and the joy of salvation. I want to walk in that, and I want you to walk in that. Let's pray, let's open our hearts before God, and let's seek him on this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that when we pray, you hear us. And so we know you hear us right now as we open our hearts to you. And Lord, as King David wrote in Psalm 51, Lord, we want you to create in us a pure heart. We want you to restore the joy of your salvation. We want to have a steadfast and willing spirit. And we want to be filled with your Holy spirit. Lord, we want to walk in your ways. We want to know you. I pray Lord for each one that is hearing this right now, Lord, that you would meet them right where they're at. If they've been walking with you for decades and decades and they need a fresh filling of your spirit, Lord, pour your spirit out upon them. Lord, if the one listening doesn't even know if they believe in you, Lord, let them have eyes of faith, trust you, ask you into their heart to walk with them. If that's you, just just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that what you've done is enough to take care of me, to save me. Please forgive me of my sins and redeem me and bring me in to a life with you. Let your spirit come into my heart and let me walk in your ways. Just pray along those lines. And Father, help us to grab hold of you to represent you right, not carrying a wrong spirit. Lord, show us if we're carrying a spirit of pride, a spirit of fear, if we've got, you know, religious spirits, if we've got anything wrong in our hearts that needs to be taken out, Lord, show us, help us that we can carry your Holy Spirit in this world. We can be temples of your spirit, filled with your spirit, the power and the glory and the goodness of your spirit within us, which makes us better than us not better than anyone else, but better than us. So Lord, bless us with this. In Jesus' name, amen.